Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I am honored to have Leslie Sosrowski as my guest. Leslie, can you please introduce yourself? Okay, so uh, I'm Leslie Sosrowski. I'm married to Ed. Um, we've been married 49 years, and he was diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer uh, in 2007, and it was from Agent Orange in Vietnam, so it lived in his body from the time he was 18 until he was 60 when it first appeared. And uh, so the first time he got uh, radiation and he got better, uh, 18 months later it came back and it metastasized to seven different places in his bones and that's when we truly truly changed our lives so how many years ago has was uh, his diagnosis September September is 10 years that he has lived with terminal cancer before he was diagnosed with cancer I want to talk about what your lifestyle was like the reason why I ask that question is because you and I talk about wellness and how it has changed for you Absolutely. in so many ways. So tell me what it looked like before the cancer diagnosis. So when my kids were little, I was really, really good. I, we ate a very, very healthy diet. Where it started to go wrong was when my kids grew up and moved out and my husband and I both started to move up in our careers. And we began, and you, this is hindsight, of course, we began to let our careers take over our lives. What did you do for work? Uh, I was the vice president of an intermodal trucking company. And Eddie was the president of a uh, lithographic company. And so this is where I made the mistake. I was so involved in moving up. I was so involved in, I wanted to be the best, that I forgot my health. We both forgot our health. So this is when my children are gone that we forget our health. It's interesting that we're in our 40s when we really begin to realize we're eating out all the time, we're eating junk, and then he got sick. And it came out of, uh, it was such a surprise because Eddie was never sick a day in our marriage, not one single day. When they did the biopsy, it came out that he had a very aggressive form of prostate cancer. It threw us for a loop. And so uh, in that, at that time, we began to eat healthier in terms of more fruits and vegetables, but we're still eating meat. And uh, I'm not, we're not quite on the journey yet of um, understanding the importance of food. So let me stop you for a little bit. I want to unpack a little bit of what you were discussing. So... You said that the career was really what was taking over before you had the cancer diagnosis and that the careers were so at the forefront you were neglecting your health. Absolutely. Can you elaborate upon that a little bit more? Was it just in terms of eating or were you exercising? Were you relieving stress? What was your health regimen like? No, so again, when our kids were young, uh, I was a runner, I ran a marathon, I took good care of myself. As soon as we both started to move up in our careers and we worked so many hours, gone was the exercise, gone was the healthy eating, gone was the in general taking care of yourself. But you don't 
realize it. It's very, it happens very slow, and it's just, well, work one more time, work, work another hour, few hours. Oh, my gosh, there's this emergency, or, you know, and you feel the pressure, um, particularly if you're in a boss level, you feel the pressure to fix everything. Well, pretty soon you're so fixated on, on that, you're no longer thinking about your health. And I certainly, speaking for myself, I certainly knew I was not healthy because my blood pressure was in the 170s over 120. And I certainly knew I was in trouble, right? And yet, I, I didn't take it serious until it was his cancer. So, you know, it depends upon what the wake-up call is. When your husband was diagnosed with cancer, why was that moment, or how was that moment, such an impactful wake-up call to change your habits? So in Eddie's history, in Eddie's family, there's no history of cancer. In my family, there's seven different kinds of cancer. Everybody dies from cancer. So I think, had it been something else, maybe it wouldn't have been the same wake-up call, but it was cancer. Mm -hmm. And cancer has taken, now I'm going to cry, almost all of my family. So you begin to say, good heavens, it happens to people who don't have it in their family. And I think, uh, to be honest with you, I did not wake up with my own blood pressure. I did not wake up when the doctor used to say to me, I'm going to have a stroke. I didn't wake up when it was my health. I woke up when it was his health. And that's an interesting thing within itself, that why don't women put themselves in the same importance as you do a man? I, so that's I don't know why, but I, that is what I did. And as soon as he got the cancer, uh, because it was aggressive right off the bat, it puts you immediately, you have to educate yourself. You are your own advocate in this health system. And as soon as you start to realize, you have to learn. You have to learn yourself. Our doctors are not trained in nutrition. They don't know how to tell you what to do to help yourself in nutrition. Um, so it was the beginning where, like I said, the first time we ate lots more fruits and, fruits and vegetables, but we did not give up meat and go to a plant-based diet. But what made you specifically identify that you had to focus on nutrition to help you at this point? I think in my heart I did know nutrition was, per was important because when my kids were little, they really didn't eat junk food, so it wasn't that I didn't have a good background in it. I did. We lost it somewhere in the time when our kids grew up and left and had these high-powered jobs. We lost it. So it's not like you don't know it. You're not applying it. And then when something comes along and all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, look at all the things we're doing to ourselves. We're going out to eat constantly because why because we're working crazy hours and you're exhausted and what do you do you go out and you eat and what do you eat in this country you eat processed foods and then little by little when he got sick we stopped eating out and I started cooking everything from scratch just like I did when the kids were little and just like all the fruits and vegetables came in so I think it's that you over time it's very easy to neglect something that in your heart you know is true but you get pulled into a world of what you think is important. And then you don't realize that's not what's important in this life. So, you know, there's so many things coming at you, and you constantly have to 
try to sit down and focus on what is the most important thing that I think I need to do right now. So is that when you sought help at the Cancer Support Center? No, that, that's the first time when we did not. When, when, I saw, when I went and got the help was when it came back 18 months later and it was terminal. And then um, one of the things I want to say about us was, you know, you, you work hard all your life and you think you're entitled. I'm speaking for myself here. You think you're entitled that, well, you know, I, I worked real hard and I did what I was supposed to and now we're going to get old and now we're going to retire and we're going to have all these things and you think you're entitled to it. And when the day comes that you don't have your health, you have nothing. Nothing. It doesn't matter all your dreams and everything because the most important thing now is health. So it puts a perspective on it that you don't have before you get sick. Doesn't take much to change your perspective. Lose your health is to lose everything you have because without it, you can't have a quality of life. I wonder why it takes a crisis like that for that idea that health is so precious to hit home. So I would say that is like the best question ever because it's very true. I've asked myself a hundred times, how did we, and like I said, it's insidious. You don't, you don't wake up and say, I'm going to let this job take over my life. It's insidious a little bit more, a little bit more. And you don't realize the sacrifice that you're giving. You don't really, you don't really see it. You think, oh, yeah, I've got to work some more hours, or, oh, yeah, I'm really tired, let's just go out for dinner. You're not really thinking about little by little by little. It's taking over your life. Were you close to retirement? After our kids were grown and married is when we both started moving up in our careers. So you're, we are in our mid-40s. The cancer comes when Eddie is 60. And so we're talking about a good 15 years in there where we are not paying attention to our health. We, do we know better? Of course we know better. You feel regret? I feel, I feel like I knew better, and I let that happen. And I feel like, why did I let that happen? On the other hand, you really can't live your life in terms of, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? You can only say, I know better now. What am I going to do now? I need to change. I know I need to change. And do I have regrets about that big time? What's now? What am I going to do now? And you did gain the experience of knowing. You learned. Yeah, at what price? And I, I'd say that our story is probably not that different from a lot of a lot of people from my generation because it was all about work, work. I drummed in my head when I was a kid, you have to work, you have to work. And you lose your work-life balance at times. And I think that's what happened to us. We lost our, our work-life balance. Uh, in a lot of ways, we were fortunate that that happened to them at 60 because it still gave us a chance to change our life. You can, you're never too old to change your life. Do you think your insight then inspired you to be more instrumental in helping others and volunteering oh, at the Cancer Center? Absolutely. Can you talk to me about your Cancer Center volunteering activities? So, so uh, you know, when I first went to the Cancer Support Center, I clearly needed help. And uh, I never had an issue with asking for help. I never had the reluctance. I I knew I needed help. And almost within 
six months of going there, I started volunteering. I started volunteering doing outreach in oncology facilities or hospitals or going out and talking to people about what the center um, could do, how it could help you. Uh, I think so that's what outreach means. Outreach means that uh, outreach means that uh, you're going to go through tr some training, and you're then going to go out in uh, to a, a an oncology facility, uh, hospital, health fairs, and you're going to talk to people about the things that the cancer center uh, can do for you if you're diagnosed. Most people don't even know we exist. Um, and the truth is we've been in uh, existence for 25 years, but so we raise the money in the community and we spend it in the community. We don't advertise at all. So our, the only way that we can let the uh, community know we exist is for people like me to go out and tell people. And it's very, very, very important. There's a few things that are very important when you're diagnosed with cancer. One of them is to uh, assess where you are and, and come up with a plan. The, but the other one is it's extremely important to reach your hand out to the next person and help them the way somebody put their hand out to you and helped you. This is how you learn it's a community, that we're all in this together. And my cancer isn't more important than your cancer or the next guy. Everybody has a story. Every story needs to be heard. And every story is legitimate. And however you react to your cancer is okay. And this is not by any means a statement of judgment. Everyone, as you say, does have to deal with his or her cancer in his own way. Right. But I will say this, Leslie. I've been really moved by your compassion, your empathy. Not everyone is so dedicated to volunteering like you are. Not everyone reacts that way who wants to give of herself so much and to help others because of exactly what you just said, being a member of the community. Mm -hmm. So there's choices to be made. And I think one of the things that happens when you're first uh, diagnosed or you're first aware of cancer and how it's going to change your life. You can't control um, getting cancer. You, you can learn to control your reaction to that cancer. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to let it take over my life? For me, it was what am I going to do about it to acknowledge that the need for our, a community and people to reach out and help each other is the way you survive. So is it fair to say that you are taking care of your emotional and your mental well-being as well by giving? So um, it makes a big difference. It's extremely important to me, extremely important to me that I put my hand out to the next person. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, I also want to be fair and honest here. Uh, you know, we've been on this journey with Eddie almost 10 years now. He's lived almost 10 years beyond the original diagnosis, which is unheard of with an aggressive cancer. But at the same time, I don't want to suggest to anybody that I don't have ups and downs. I have ups and downs. So nine and about four or five months ago, I really all of a sudden just felt completely like I was falling again. And I just picked myself up and went back in. And I call it a tune-up. I went back to a therapist and I said, something's happening to me. 
And I, I didn't get mad at myself. I didn't judge myself. I said, in this moment, I'm getting overwhelmed. And what am I going to do to help myself figure out why and what am I going to do about it? So, you know, no journey along cancer is always any one thing. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. What you do have to do is choose to focus on the things that you can do, not the things that you can't do. You talk about giving to others so much, and being a caretaker is an extremely demanding position to be in. How were you taking care of yourself over that 10-year period? What was your self-care regimen like? So uh, it's very, I, 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 I know it's very important. Nutrition is very important because um, when you're stressed, your body is using up all of your nutrition. So you need to be really aware of that. But having said that, the next most important thing I could tell somebody is learn how to breathe. That's a hard concept until you learn it. Once you learn it, you're like, what a gift. And yoga. Yoga is extremely important. Sound baths are extremely important. Um, What's a sound bath? So uh, a sound bath is when they have uh, bowls and they're metal or they're crystal and they have a little mallet and they either sing the bowl or they uh, hit the bowl and the sound waves go through your body and they relax you and it's just awesome. I know you're a very active person, so what is your exercise regimen like? So I walk five miles a day. Uh, I do yoga at least three times a week. Um, I do ride my bike. He can't ride his bike with me anymore. I do ride my bike. But for me, the most important thing is to do as often as I possibly can to do those five miles in the forest. I need to be in the woods. I need to be in the forest because that five miles in the forest is like therapy for me, calms me right down. What would you tell your younger self in hindsight? Well, I'll rephrase that. What do I tell my children? I tell my children. uh, And you know, so my son is me. He's a workaholic. And I said, can you look at us and learn something from our mistakes? To which my son very, very politely listened to the whole conversation, reached out and said, where'd I learn it, Mom? (laughs) And so I understand that. At the same time, I no longer, when my family comes to my home, I no longer serve food that's not healthy. Um, I no longer, when my older grandchildren came in, I was known as the brownie grandma because we made brownies. Yeah, no, you're going to get green smoothies. Yeah, when we're going to make um, healthy, healthy vegan dishes. And you know what? They're eating it. So maybe I may or may not be able to reach my immediate children, my, my son and my daughter, because why? Because they learned from us. And it's not that easy to turn around what they witnessed. You, your mouth can say anything. They know what you did. So, mm. um, so that's interesting. But you can definitely reach the younger generation, and I have. I absolutely have. Two of my granddaughters eat vegetarian, and one of them is very interested in vegan food. My youngest granddaughter is into green smoothies. So, uh, And, you know, it's a process. It was a process for us, and it's a process for them. The number one thing is exposing them 
to what a better life balances. For a person who feels like he or she would be deprived by a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet, what would you tell that person? I think, like I said earlier, it's a process. The first thing to do is start exposing yourself to what does that really mean. So I think people think people think that uh, when I change my diet, their interpretation of that is, okay, tomorrow I can never have this again. I'm going to eat this, and I can never have a chocolate bar again. I can never have ice cream again in my whole life because I'm a vegetarian or I'm a vegan. Okay, that's the problem of the concept of changing your diet. It's a process. You start out by by picking vegetarian recipes, and you might just find out you really like it. Or you might find out, if I make my smoothie a certain way, I really like it. And then your taste buds start to change. And when your taste bud starts to change, you start to crave this type of food. But it doesn't happen overnight. And most people that I know that try to stop, stop today, I'm not eating meat, I'm not eating anything bad, and, and starting tomorrow I'm eating this, they don't succeed because they feel deprived. And what resources did you use? Because some people, again, may not know where to turn. Well, so now at the Cancer Center, they have so many classes teaching you about nutrition. On the second Thursday of the month, I do one with Chris, the nutritionist, and we make sure that ours are specifically plant-based. And um, since the beginning of the year, we've been doing vegan, which means no oils and and no dairy, and uh, so it's another, again, you're exposing people to something that they're not used to, and then they just might like it. And what has been the response? Oh, they love it. So, and for for me personally, uh, wow, YouTube is awesome. Pinterest, oh my gosh, Pinterest is wonderful. You go on Pinterest and you put in vegan anything. I want a vegan eggplant, or I want, and you'll come up with 40 recipes. So, um, you know, and even for me, that class has taught me to get out of my comfort zone and try things um, that I've never done either. And, and so, you know, and it's, I, there's something to be said, too, for a group like that coming together mm-hmm. and sharing it. And, um, again, you're learning from each other. So, And it sounds like you're having fun experimenting. Oh, so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh! I love. I absolutely. So it can be a fun process. So it, and I think people don't think. I think they think like this. Oh, I'm sick. I have to change my diet. Oh boy, poor me. And it's not that at all. It's an opportunity to choose to help yourself get better through how you eat, how you think, how do you exercise. Take responsibility for for us. It's taking responsibility for what we can do to help ourselves. My last question for you is this. I called this podcast Mindful Health for the Wise Woman on purpose because I think health and wellness is different because we're individuals. What does health and wellness mean to you? So for me, it's an awareness, a constant awareness that I need to make choices. 
And I'm a big believer, and I don't care how old you are, you can change. So I'm going to be 70 in November, and I want you to know that I've probably changed more in the last 10 years than I did in the whole 60 before that. Beautifully said. Leslie, thank you so much for sharing your time with me. This was invaluable, and I think that what you've had to say will help so many. I hope so. And now it's time for practical tips. Body tip. Did you start a stress reduction practice? How is it going? Are you relying on something positive to help you when you're feeling stressed out? Mind tip. Have you started that new book? What have you learned? Spirit tip. Have you had a chance to reflect upon lessons learned from past mistakes and the power of forgiveness? Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.